just before we start into looking at Deuteronomy again I was looking at another thing during the week and it was a list of various statements that had been made by pop groups I'm so conscious of the influence of music in the world today how people just have this desire to have music always playing and it gave quite a list but I picked out just a few of the comments that these people had made about their own music there's a group called Black Sabbath and Bill Ward of Black Sabbath he says this I've always considered that there was some way where we were able to channel energy and that energy was able to be from another source if you like like a higher power or something that was actually doing the work I've often thought of just being actually just the earthly beings that played the music because it was uncanny some of this music came out extremely uncanny they admit themselves that what they're playing is weird Stevie Nicks of Fleetwood Mac he says much the same thing it's amazing because sometimes when we're on stage I feel like somebody's just moving the pieces I'm just going God we don't have any control over this and that's magic they don't have control themselves because they're taken over by other forces there used to be a group that was popular a few years ago ACDC and this guy called Angus Young who was known as the guitar demon and he admitted that sometimes something takes control of the band during their concerts it's like I'm on automatic pilot by the time we're halfway through the first number someone else is steering me I'm just along for the ride I become possessed when I get on stage and Yoko Ono uh, John Lennon's wife she said the Beatles were like mediums they weren't conscious of all they were saying but it was coming through them and our young people are filling their minds with music from people like this I told you before I went to a funeral in Dublin for the husband of a niece of mine and we came out of the church the Leary Evangelical Church and instead of coming out to a hymn tune or something like that we all came out with music from a group called the Eagles a really depraved group coming out of a Christian church and everyone just thought it was lovely couldn't understand why I didn't get enthusiastic about it so it's invading the churches this kind of rock and pop music culture we need to be very careful of it let's uh, go on to Deuteronomy <coughs> we're into chapter 5 you'll be glad to hear Deuteronomy chapter 5 and we read the first 5 verses and then a few other verses 
starting at verse 24. And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that ye may learn them and keep and do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, who are all of us here alive this day. The Lord talked with you face to face in the mount, out of the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you at that time, to show you the word of the Lord, for ye were afraid by reason of the fire, and went not up into the mount. Go over to verse 24. And ye said, Behold, the Lord our God hath showed us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God doth talk with man, and he liveth. Now therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of, of the Lord our God any more, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Go thou near. And hear all that the Lord our God shall say, and speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee. And we will hear it and do it. I want to look at the covenant. The old covenant as it was called. The covenant which God gave to Moses and the children of Israel as recorded here. I'm not going to go into it in great detail because it's all in Leviticus and places elsewhere and some other day we'll study it in greater detail. But just going to compare the old covenant which was brought in with the law of Moses and look at it in relation to some points in the new covenant brought about by the death of Christ. And as sort of recorded here in Deuteronomy. It's interesting, interesting to see in verse 1 to 4 how personal and direct this challenge was and the commandments that Moses was saying to the people. Look, look, all Israel, I speak in your ears that ye may learn them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us. The Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, all of us here. The Lord talked with you face to face. There was no doubt as to whom God had spoken on that memorable day in Horeb, and to whom Moses was speaking now. There was no way that the commands, we couldn't shirk the commands of that covenant because they were personal. And at the same time they were collective for the whole of Israel. They were direct, unambiguous, honest, truthful, perfect 
because they were from God uncompromising and they were deadly as well the laws were explained in simple terms and the penalties were equally plain just going on how can you get more of a, a, a direct thing as thou shalt not kill direct straight to the point easily understood by everybody and there was a curse upon those who broke these laws the laws of God and so as to avoid the judgment of God it was imperative of them the children of Israel and each person individually to learn them keep them and do them how utterly sensible God had said you want to have a pleasant life in the promised land then obey these commands if you don't you won't be there long it was as simple as that God had, has given the Ten Commandments to Israel a system or a body of laws selected and adapted to the circumstances of the people the children of Israel it showed the various sins to which they could become attached and they had a temptation of falling into these sins and to prevent that happening the observation of these laws was imperative the best and shortest compendium of morality that has ever been delivered the ancient Jews had a notion apparently that these words were spoken by God in one sort of word straight out and that those laws were so closely compacted and united together as if they were but one word and are not to be detached and separated from each other it's the law of God there's a chap called Emanuel Velikovsky who wrote some books very interesting books he was an atheistic Jew around the same time as Einstein and he wrote books like Earth in, Earth's in Collision and World in Chaos and they're very interesting books and they explain in some instances how Moses went to the Egyptians and the, the plagues that came and he has reasons for them and they're very good, very good and they back up the flood and a lot of stuff like that and he had great difficulty having his books published because they went against the teachings of some of the ancient Catholic, Roman Catholic Church but he, he also had this theory that when God spoke out his name at Sinai he reckoned that the whole world heard that voice speaking this coming from an atheistic Jew is quite interesting but he reckoned that the voice of God was heard throughout the world and he, he backs that up by saying that the, the word for God in so many languages is, has very similar roots but that's, be that as it may it's just interesting that he came out with that the covenant the covenant we talk about this as the covenant the old covenant the law of Moses was given and most people think of the law as the Ten Commandments but it also included all the various additional ritualistic and moral laws and religious laws 
recorded in scripture and let's say someday we should study that whole thing but it's, uh, it's not for this morning God had given it it was entirely of God and a new dispensation a new age started with this new covenant this covenant it gave sort of character to this new dispensation of the law moral strength moral firmness integrity no other nation at that time had a comparable set of moral and righteous laws and values they still stand head and shoulders over man-made laws of the present day in fact the commandments are the basis of most other laws and knowledge of that covenant to the Israelites was a primary consideration this covenant was given as we see through the mediator Moses he was the person between God and man who gave the law to the people God laid down the terms as to how he was to be worshipped he established all the conditions of the covenant in completeness and finality man didn't negotiate this covenant with God God made the covenant his people had simply to obey it receive it not to modify it not to amend it to accept it now if we look at that in relation to the new covenant we talk about the old covenant which was the law of Moses the new covenant is the one which in Jesus Christ instituted and brought in at his death and we see similarities between the old and the new for us the knowledge of the new covenant must be a primary consideration we are now in a different age we are now in the dispensation of grace that was the old covenant was the dispensation of the law we are now in the dispensation the age of grace started at the death of Christ remember what he said this is the new covenant the new testament in my blood you know when a person makes a will quite often I used to have to look at wills in my business but the wills normally start this is the last will and testament of so and so and I revoke all previous wills that's the way they nearly all start some, somewhere on that line well when Jesus brought in the New Testament the old one disappeared he revoked all previous covenants so the old covenant has passed away the new covenant has come in the new covenant is also from God and Christ Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant Hebrews 9 and verse 15 it says Christ is therefore the mediator 
of an entirely new agreement, testament or covenant so that those who are called and offered it may receive the fulfillment of the promised everlasting inheritance with the old covenant God said if you keep this old covenant you can enjoy the land the promised land with the new covenant those who enter into the new covenant through the Lord Jesus Christ we have an inheritance promised to us reserved in heaven for us and so in this chapter we see the various types how Christ would recall to our hearts and to our memories the new covenant in his blood and repeatedly remind us of it do this in remembrance of me Moses said remember these commandments to do them Jesus Christ says remember the new covenant in my blood and it is important that we should not forget the new covenant for it always gives character to this new age this dispensation of grace and especially to our relationships with God and also those with his people you know what it says in verse 2 going back to Deuteronomy the Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb note that it says the Lord made the covenant man has not decided what's in that covenant you know when I make a will and I'm going to leave various things to various people I don't go around and ask advice I decide what's going to go to various people God made the covenant with those people in Horeb and they were presented with that covenant now there's I, I just want to interrupt here a little bit I was thinking about just before you came in what I would say here and let me put in something interrupt that frame, frame of thought a little bit and put in something in brackets in parentheses the promises that were made to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob before the law was given were unconditional God made promises to Abraham particularly to Abraham we remember that your seed would in, in your seed the nations of the world would be blessed and you'd be as the sands of the seashore and all the rest of it so they were unconditional God's dealings with Israel coming out of Egypt unconditional and then he brought them to Sinai but things changed at Sinai or Horeb as we're talking about here the law was given at Sinai the new covenant was given that at that time the people said yes tell us what you want us and we will believe we will accept it we will do it says there in verse 27 go down near they said to Moses hear all that the Lord our God shall say and speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee and we will hear it and do it they promised to receive it 
and they undertook to keep it as a condition of their future blessing that's important now sadly Israel failed miserably under that covenant and God permitted them to be scattered across the world as they are this day God however will keep the covenant he made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that was unconditional someday God will again restore them into a place of blessing and that's why if you look at Hebrews verse 8 Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 8 behold the days are coming saith the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the whole of Judah not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the days when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they continued not in my covenant and I regarded them not saith the Lord for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days saith the Lord I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people he took them by the hand they continued not in my covenant and I disregarded them saith the Lord but the days are coming when that will all change now many if you talk will say oh that's been taken over by the church but you can't avoid taking this verse to mean Israel the church never had a covenant with God in this respect Israel in its divided kingdom Judah and Israel were the original ones who were part of that covenant it's futile to dream that the church or the individual Christian is contemplated here the truth always suffers if we start thinking that way Israel only had the first covenant Israel by grace will have this further covenant and that will take place we know when that will take place when Christ sets up his millennium kingdom Israel lost their privileges under the old covenant because they disobeyed Israel will be restored and blessed more than ever and forever in their land under this new covenant which God will give to them now that's only by the way I just thought I'd put that in let's go back to Deuteronomy with the covenant that God made at Horeb verse 3 the Lord made not this covenant with our fathers but with us even us who are all of us here alive this day <clears throat> seems a fairly obvious sort of thing to say nearly doesn't it this is interesting 
it says that he didn't make it with the fathers. You see, the fathers were the ones who had disobeyed God. They had not gone into the promised land. God had wiped them out for 40 years. Their fathers roamed around the wilderness, representing those who did not believe. The covenant was made with those who were alive that day. Those who were alive were the generation who were to enter in and possess the blessing which God had for them. They were ready to go into the promised land. And Moses is speaking to them here at this particular time. We look at the new covenant. Who are the partakers of the new covenant? Those who are born again of the Spirit of God. Those who are alive in Christ. We have freedom and we are to move forward with him. We will eventually enter into the promised land. We have an inheritance prepared for us in heaven. We are the ones who are alive. Alive in Christ. And we are partakers of the new covenant. In verse 5, this is interesting. Moses said, I stood between the Lord and you at that time to show you the word of the Lord, for ye were afraid by reason of the fire and went not up into the mountain. And we saw it said that Moses said in verse, the, the people said in verse 27, Go thou near and hear all that the Lord our God shall say and speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee and we will hear it and do it Israel representing sinful fallen man realized their hopeless state and their inability to speak with a holy reverend righteous awesome God they desired a mediator they said to Moses, you do it, you speak, you act on our behalf. You inter, be the mediator between God and us. In the presence of Almighty God, man always desires and needs a mediator. The old covenant did not permit sinful man to have access into God's presence, except through a priest an earthly priest and so because of that we read verses like this I, I, you needn't turn to them but in Samuel it says First Samuel 2.25 if one man sins against another God will mediate for him but if a man sins against the Lord who shall intercede for him yes there was a desire there for a mediator you know Job went through an awful lot of problems and difficulties in his life the problems of Job and he says in Job 9.32 he is not a man God is not a man as I am that I may answer him that we may go to court together there is no umpire between us 
no one to go between us. And that was his, his, his cry out. There's no umpire between us who may lay his hand upon us both. He desired a mediator between God and himself. And so the children of Israel desired that Moses would act as mediator between them and God. Now let's go on to the new covenant which Jesus Christ brought in. We have a mediator, an advocate with the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. The way has been opened between God and man. And this was signified so vividly by the veil of the temple being ripped open, exposing the Holy of Holies in the earthly temple in Jerusalem when Jesus Christ was crucified at Calvary where he completed the work of our salvation. The way was open for man to have access to God through the death of the man who was dying out on the cross at Calvary. Moses said he stood between Jehovah and you. And Jesus Christ stands between God and us. The one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. It was an interesting verse in Jude. Jude 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Saviour be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. To present you faultless. You know, I was thinking about this. I don't know a lot about debutants. Debs as they were called. They don't really exist now except in newspaper columns. But Debs were, or debutants, were eligible young girls whose mothers were looking for well-heeled young men suitable for their daughters to marry them off. And so there was a custom that these young ladies came out, as it was called. They were introduced to the social, the social scene uh, at the, the start of the season, as they spoke about. And these young ladies were presented at court. Our present queen did away with this, I think, in about 1958, I think it was. But they were presented at court. And they had to be presented by someone who had already been presented at court. It might have been their mothers, it might have been some other relation, but they had to have somebody who presented them at court. And I was thinking about this, and this verse we've just read. Now unto him that is able, able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. We will someday be presented in heaven by our Lord and Saviour, our Mediator, who will stand between us and God and vouch for us. We will be presented faultless before the presence of His glory. How? Why? Because He stood Jesus Christ stood between us and the wrath of God at Calvary. He stood 
between God's wrath, which was due to us at Calvary. And so we read in Revelation 5 9, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. He became our sin bearer before God when he stood between the wrath of God and sinful man and he still is there as our continuing high priest he now as a mediator still stands between us and God you know in chapter 5 here we, we have the giving of the old covenant and we, we've seen that in some ways it shows similarities and types of the new covenant. The old covenant was a covenant on the principles of law. The new covenant is on the principles of grace. It is very important to understand the two covenants and the differences as well. Unfortunately there are people who mingle the two covenants a bit of the old and a bit of the new it's the people Jesus said who seek to t put a piece of new cloth on an old garment and rips doesn't work we can't mingle the two a bit of law and a bit of grace they can't be joined they're diametrically opposed cannot be united into one body. A sinner cannot be saved through a system of law and grace intermingled. And yet we find this happening in churches. You see, the law was given by Moses. John chapter 1, 17. The concept of grace is foreign to the law. And for that reason, John, writing his, his gospel, says, But while the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The age of grace was introduced by Jesus Christ. The law was given by Moses. Grace, unearned, undeserved favor, and spiritual blessing, came through Jesus Christ Hebrews grace we have grace through Jesus Christ Hebrews 10:28 says he that despised Moses law died without mercy Deuteronomy 27:26 cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them this was not grace. The law depended on works. The law set out what God required man to be. And if he failed, he was cursed under the law. Man, in fact, needed life from God and his righteousness to carry out the requirements of the law. But man did not have that life and righteousness and could not obtain them through the law. The law showed man up in his sinfulness. That was the reason the law was given, to show man in his sinfulness. It was like a big mirror 
that God let down from heaven. And you know, if I've been out in a storm and my clothes are all disheveled and my hair is everything, I might know that I'm like that. But when I look in the mirror, the mirror shows me what I'm like. And that was like the law. If I'm in a, if I'm in a, a, a dark room and there's a lot of dust around, I don't know. I open the blinds and the sunshine comes in. I see the dust because the sun has shown up the dust in the room. And so with the law. If I look into the law, I realize my failings and my sinfulness. The law does not create the sin or the failings. It shows them up. But it cannot remove them. The law showed the Israelite that he was a sinner. And therefore under the curse and revealed what God would want him to be. But it leaves him there. And that's why Paul writing in Romans 7, 7 says. What then shall we say? Is the law sin? No, never. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. For I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said you shall not covet the law showed up the sin in his life and in my life the law revealed it yet scripture says by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified oh yes man worship God man sacrifice to God but it didn't get rid of the sin in his life. There are many today who seek to put the deeds of the law before me as a necessity for me to live the Christian life. But it was like that in the Apostles' time. And they sorted that all out. We haven't time to go into it, but when you go home, read Acts 15, verses 1 to 20, and you'll see that there was a problem with Pharisees who had become Christians and they expected the Gentiles, Christians, to become circumcised and they, they said no. This, this, the, the, the Gentiles, you see, were never under the law. The Jews had the law. The Bible tells us that the Gentiles were without law and were not subject to it or ever had been. But these converted Pharisees wished to place the yoke, it says, upon the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. These converts who had been either Jew or Gentile seemed totally unaware of the fact that they were not under the law, but they were under grace. By the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified. And the apostles made this point. Read Acts chapter 15. So where does this leave us as Christians today? Listen to what Paul, Paul in Galatians. That was why Galatians was written. People were trying to introduce the law back into the everyday life of the Christians. But he says, Galatians 2, 19 and 20. For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, 
I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. No hint of the law here, only grace. Many in churches, we pray today, incline our hearts to keep thy law. But that is not correct unless we wish to keep the whole law. And as we have seen, it is impossible. For by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now, just finally to close up. What happened then to an Israelite who sought to live by the law with all its rituals and sacrifices? Briefly it is this. The sacrifices which he performed by faith did not however put away his sins. And as we have said before, his sins under the law were atoned for and that means covered. They were covered, hidden, but not taken away. And that's why writing in Hebrews, the writer says in Hebrews 10:4, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. But when he performed these sacrifices and the rituals, and through faith performed those, showing his belief in God, it says that righteousness was imputed to that man. That means it was accounted to him, it was written to his account. Because of the faith he had shown through his actions. So we have him performing these rituals, the Day of Atonement, when the sins of the nation were presented before God, and they were atoned for. They were covered, but they weren't wiped out. They could not be wiped out, for it is impossible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. When that man died, he went to paradise. The section of Sheol, the place of the departed, divided in two. He went to the place of the departed righteous, also called Abraham's bosom. You know the, the, the story Jesus told of Lazarus and the, the, the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus, when he died, was taken by the angels to Abraham's bosom, to paradise, that section of the departed world where the righteous dead went. He could not yet enter heaven. But when Christ died for sins, he also died for the sins that were past, the sins that were present, and the sins that were future. And we read that verse in Romans 3, 25, whom God had set forth to be a propitiation, God had set forth Christ to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. The sins of the righteous dead in paradise in Abraham's bosom were cleansed at the death of Christ. And when Christ died, he went to paradise. And there he led those people who were in that 
place of the righteous dead he led them out in triumphant procession in victory to heaven it says he led captivity captive he took those people who were in Abraham's bosom and he brought them with him to glory and that section of the departed world Sheol is now empty the other section of Sheol where the wicked departed are is still in existence until the resurrection of the dead as explained in Revelation and they will be raised for the final judgment before the great white throne that's all I'm going to say today it's been a bit rushed I would have liked to have looked into Acts chapter 15 to explain it a bit more fully but read it when you go home and you'll see the principle is there we shall now be able to carry on with Deuteronomy chapter 5 next week and look at some of the commandments perhaps in more detail